we have to report about it, but we only have a short time to even talk about it this morning, so we'll share some things. You want me to move over to my left? How about that? Is that good? Do I need to make any more adjustments? I think we've got some mood lighting going on. I'm not used to this for Sunday school. <clears throat> what? Um, well, you're talking about the, the ceiling lights? No, I, I saw that before. I don't know. Not all of them are on right now, so I guess that's what's different. Are we ready to start? Okay, well, I'm going to start and just get the video in wherever it's good to go. So welcome to Sunday School. Thank you for being here. It really good, is good to be back. Emma and I are here. And as you know, we've recently been on an STM trip through Grace Community Church to Ukraine, to Kiev, Ukraine. So it was a wonderful time. The Lord, thank you for praying. Thank you for um, supporting us. The Lord, I believe, has used that and has, has answered your prayers and our prayers, has begun to answer your prayers because many of the effects of what we did there are not yet fully realized, but We've begun to see that, and that's been a great encouragement. And we want to share some of that encouragement with you as we actually talk about our trip. So I'm kind of giving a report on Ukraine and our, our trip there. What we're going to do as we, with the time we have this Sunday school hours, we're going to talk about a little bit of background of the country, the church that we were partnering with in Kiev, the missionary who's, uh, who's the one that we're coming alongside, and introduce you to some of the people we met, both from the church and uh, the Ukrainians who we were looking to share the gospel with, tell you about what we did and how the Lord used that. But first, before I even get to any of that, let me say two things. First of all, this is the Ukrainian flag. Yep, you've already gathered that. But it's, I love this flag because it is really emblematic of the country. Uh, you, you see the gold and the blue, and that's supposed to be evocative of the great agricultural production of Ukraine. It is one of the most fertile, if not the most fertile land in Europe, maybe even in all the world. It has incredibly good soil, and it's famous for its wheat. So you're picturing a wheat field beneath a blue sky. That's one thing I wanted to say. But the other thing I wanted to say is, why did we go? Why were we moved? Why did we feel like we wanted to go to Ukraine? And there are a number of factors that go into that, but it all started after one of the chapel messages that I listened to at the Master's Seminary, and the speaker said, he was talking about missions, and he said, you don't really understand missions until you've actually done missions. And that kind of stuck in my mind, and I'm like, I've never been on a missions trip, not even a short-term missions trip, and I do, I do love missionaries, but I feel like I don't have as much of a heart as I could, and even as I should. So it made me, thinking about, made me think about it a little bit, and around the same time, Grace Community Church you know, that's the church in California that we're part of, they were letting people in the church know about their STM trips. They had, had begun a new initiative to get more people in the church involved with short-term missions, or what they call short-term ministries, and they were looking for people to sign up. And they have teams going to various countries in the world, to missionaries that the church supports and partners with. Now, one of the places that we learned that they were sending a team was Ukraine. And we have a connection to Ukraine because my wife, Emma, is part Ukrainian. Her family, uh, her dad is fully Ukrainian. Um, his, her, her, she has relatives in Ukraine. Ukraine speaks, uh, a good portion of Ukraine speaks Russian, and Emma knows Russian or knows a, a good amount of Russian. So we have a connection to this country. And we also thought about, in terms of people who could go on this trip, we would be a great asset to the team. Emma has a great... Uh, Emma has the connection and she has the language ability. And no, I don't speak Russian. I can pick up languages somewhat well, and I've learned a little bit of Russian in the past. And I've, the Lord has given me some ability in teaching. And this particular STM mission was looking for those who could teach children and share the gospel. So we're thinking, well, the Lord has given us this opportunity. This seems like something that we're equipped to do. Let's apply. And of course, this is all a part of what really is the calling for each one of us, which is to fulfill the Great Commission. This is one way that we saw that we could advance that commission in a way that the Lord has uniquely equipped us. So we signed up, and we were accepted, and we became part of the team. And so that's why we went to Ukraine. 
Now, some background of the country. Another kind of like thing that I'd like to get out of the way right in the beginning is that you might be um, inclined to call Ukraine, not Ukraine, but the Ukraine. Oh, you just came back from the Ukraine. Eh, that's okay. But I would suggest to you not to use that phrase. It's kind of an older phrase that people used when Ukraine was part of the Soviet Union, and it just meant that it was one part of the Soviet Union. But now it's an independent country, so they would rather that you just say Ukraine. We're not just a part of the Soviet Union anymore. We're our own country, so Ukraine, not the Ukraine. But if you say the Ukraine, of course, we'll be understanding. Anyways, what, what is this country? You see a picture of it on the map. We're talking the eastern part of Europe. It's actually the biggest country in Europe, or was the biggest country until, Crimea seized, or until Russia seized part of its land. I think it's still the biggest country in terms of land. And it has a fair amount of people in it, 43 million people in the country. And where we were, Kiev, the capital of Ukraine, which you can kind of see on the map, north-central Ukraine, about 2.8 million people. So a lot of people in this city. Ukraine is uh, a former Soviet Union country, but it's not exactly third world. No, it's, it's modern. It has a lot of vestiges of the Soviet times, but its economy has never quite reached up to its potential. I mentioned that it is very agriculturally rich. In fact, when Germany invaded um, eastward, moving towards Russia and going through Ukraine, they actually carted, part, or carted uh, train car loads of Ukrainian soil back to Germany because they figured this is the greatest soil and we want it in our own land. So there's a great potential in Ukraine, and not only in agricultural products, but in other things, but it's never quite lived up to that potential because of its domination by the Soviet Union, and then because even after becoming independent, which it did in 1991 when the Soviet Union basically broke up. Even when it became independent, there were many holdovers from the communist regime and there was a lot of corruption in the government. And that has been a problem in Ukraine ever since its independence. I should also say that Ukraine did exist before it was dominated by the Soviets. It's actually one of the most ancient states. You go back to the Middle Ages, I think around 800, and there was Kievan Rus, which was the largest um, kingdom principality in Eastern Europe in those days. It was quite something, but eventually it was dominated by other powers and basically has been under control of various other nations up until about 1991. But after becoming independent and trying to install something like a democratic government, corruption has been a problem in Ukraine. And in 2005, there was the Orange Revolution, which was basically the people rising up because they, they saw that the election uh, the particular election for the president was not fair, it was fixed, it was not uh, a, a true vote, and they basically boycotted it, and they forced that president to concede to the other person and, and to do a recount, and that, that other president was elected. But in 2014, and this might be more in your recent memory, there was another kind of revolution because since becoming independent, Ukraine has, has been thinking about, should we look towards... Uh, the West? Should we embrace the other countries in Europe and ally with them and make economic ties with them? Or should we look towards the East, back to Russia? They're our traditional friend. We're no longer under communism together, but hey, they're democratic now. We're democratic now. Maybe we should still continue to look towards Russia. And in 2014, they were about to sign some sort of major treaty with the West. I forget if it was um, coming into the EU or something like that. But all of a sudden, when the whole country and the whole world was expecting it to happen, they about faced and made a new agreement with Russia. And people were like, something's fishy here. And they began to protest. Some students began to protest against the, the president at that time. But he was not having any of the protests. He violently cracked down on them. And that just caused them to protest more. And that caused him to crack down on them more. And the, the unrest kept building and building and building and building until eventually this president just ran away. <laughs> he, he left the country, fled to Russia, and... Ukraine was basically leaderless, and it was in a state of like, what's about to happen? We don't know who's in control. What's going on? And then Russia said, hey, look, things are unstable in your country. We have some Russian citizens there, especially in Crimea. We're afraid for them. We're going to come and invade. And that's what they did. They seized the bottom portion of Ukraine. You see that kind of peninsula island-looking thing? That's the Crimean Peninsula. They basically took all of that over and said, we're doing this to protect our own citizens. Ukraine decided not to fight back. So they didn't want to, they didn't, well, first of all, they had a problem in leadership. Who was supposed to be in control? This was an opportunity for Russia to hit Ukraine while it was down. But also, did they really want to get into a full-blown war with Russia? They decided not to. But after, after Russia seized Crimea, 
they had a little referendum there, and they said, do you really want to be part of Ukraine, or do you want to be part of Russia? And what do you know, the people in the occupied territory of Crimea decided, we want to be part of Russia. And so it has remained in Russian hands since that time. Ukraine does not recognize that. Most of the world does not recognize that. But that is the situation. And of course, there was also a, an uprising in the eastern part of Ukraine towards Russia, where some pro-Russia rebels uh, decided that they also wanted to secede and join Russia. But that, that was not totally successful it's actually still ongoing. There's still violence. There's still um, clashes in that part of Ukraine between what are supposedly pro-Russian rebels, but who seem to have some very sophisticated Russian military equipment and personnel. But Russia has disavowed any official support for these rebels, but is very sympathetic towards them and would welcome more parts of Ukraine. So if you're wondering what relations are like between Ukraine and Russia, they are not good. <laughs> and that's because of the recent happenings. And even when the Ukrainians we were talking to, this sometimes came up in conversation. Like, this is still something that they're dealing with, and that is a, a big deal to them. So that's some of the political history and economic history of Ukraine, but also important for you to know is the religious history. This is an Orthodox country. We're talking Eastern Orthodox. There are some Catholics in the country, but mostly it's Eastern Orthodox. You see the statistic there, about 62%. Unlike America, which is becoming more and more secular, Ukraine is very much religious. Most people you talk to, they will say, yes, I am a Christian, and I go to the Orthodox Church. When you ask them about the gospel, they don't really understand. And they're much, they're, they will fall back onto rituals and good works because that's the way they've been raised. 62% Orthodox, about 10% Catholic, 4% of people identify as Protestant. Of course, we don't know how many pro those Protestants are actually Christians, but you can get the idea that Though there are a number of Christians in Ukraine, I think I heard somewhere that it is the greatest number of Baptists in the former Soviet Union are in Ukraine, but it is uh, still a land that is mostly, um, uh, the people still do not understand the gospel and have not embraced the gospel. And there are also many cults in Ukraine. Even while we were there, we saw, I think, so was it Jehovah Witnesses or uh, Mormons? They, they, are welcomed, or they are allowed into the country and they, are, they have a sizable presence there. But we went because we want, to, we want to share the true gospel. So that's a little bit about the country. How about the church and the missionary that we're part of, or that we partnered with? So this is Greg and Fushan. They are missionaries from Grace Community Church. They left Grace Community Church in 1992. Greg is a TMS graduate. When he arrived in Ukraine, and this is basically right after they came out of the Soviet Union, so everything is new, like lots of uncertainty in that country. He helped... Um, newly founded Erpin Biblical Seminary, which is just right outside of Kiev. And this is a, one of the seminaries that uh, is part of TMAI. You know, our church has been supporting the, the Master's Academy International. This, can, uh, this, uh, this group of seminaries all throughout the world that are connected with Grace Community Church and the Master's Seminary. And the idea is train up the leaders to be able to train up their own people and give the gospel. So he became a part of that seminary. He also worked with one of the churches there, uh, Redeemer, no, Revival Church. But eventually he uh, helped establish a new church, and that's the church that we partnered with, Grace Bible Church of Kiev. Founded in 2000. It's been in Kiev for 18 years now, but it's just moved to a new location. They have a new building, and they, uh, it's not totally finished yet. They're actually still finishing the construction of that building. This picture at the bottom is of their church when it was still in the library. You can see about 20, family, 20 families, maybe 30 members. So a new church it has grown, but it is still relatively small and young. But we, that was the, the group that we wanted to come visit, encourage, and be a part of. I'll say something about Greg, just to give you a little bit about him. I actually, interacting with him and uh, spending time with him, he reminds, he reminds me a lot of Pastor Bobby, actually. Uh, he's a very just uh, someone that you can have confidence in, who who knows the word, who uh, loves the people, has an has an understanding of what the church needs in that particular area, the people of Ukraine, and and how to work with them and how to interact with them. Felt very um, secure is not the right word, but I, I had a, I had a great amount of confidence in him and in his wife Fushan. Very generous, very hospitable, very loving but very hardworking. Both of them, you can see how much, they, how, how much they labor for the Lord and for the people of Ukraine. 
And that's true of missionaries in general, right? The short-term missions teams, we, we do only a fraction of what the real missionaries do. And Greg and Fushan have shown themselves to be faithful. So we wanted to come. What, what was our goal? To come alongside this church. 17 members from Grace Community Church, including Emma and myself, we went to Kiev under the leadership of Mark Smith. He was actually someone who's part of our same fellowship group at Grace Community Church. Uh, he'll come up on one of the slides, and I'll show you who he is more specifically. To go there for two weeks, about June 15th to June 30th, and we had a couple goals. One is to encourage the church and the missionaries. I've come to understand that the, the most important focus of an STM trip is the missionary. Help him. Encourage him. Refresh him. Refresh his church. Come alongside them in the work. Don't try and do something independent from that church because they're the ones who are really established. They're the ones who know what's going on, and they're the ones who can continue the work once you leave. Because if you just show up, do a little bit, and then leave, and there's no support structure around that, then you may end up doing more harm than good. So our goal was to encourage the church and the missionaries, help them, equip them, um, bless them, assist them in the outreaches that they actually want to do. And I'll mention what those are in just a second. And also, very practically, help establish the church's presence. They've just moved to a new part of Kiev. Most people in that area don't even know about this church. It's kind of, um, you have to go around a certain, certain number, of, not exactly back roads, but kind of like that. If you didn't know that church was there, you probably would never even find it. We wanted to let the community know that there is an evangelical church there, not only for the unbelievers who are looking for a place for the truth, but for believers too, who are looking for good teaching. So we wanted to do those things. And the outreaches that the church specifically asked us to assist with are, were, was a softball camp, kids' home visits, and an English cafe. Now, if you remember our STM support letters, we talked about uh, things slightly different than this. But we were told right at the beginning, hey, with this STM trip, be flexible. Because they're trying to assess the situation as best they can. They want to know who's really interested in doing a VBS, who's really interested in an English cafe. What's the point of holding one of these things if nobody's going to come? And so even up to the last minute, they were trying to figure out what is actually going to be the best thing for the STM trip to assist with. And in the end, they decided it would be these three ministries. And I'll talk a little bit more about what each of these involved and what were the outcome of each. So now you've got a little bit of background of the country, the church, the missionaries, and, and what our team was meant to do. This, by the way, is after we arrived in Kiev in the airport there. Took a little picture there. Praise the Lord, nobody got lost. There were no major delays. We didn't lose any luggage. God provided in that way. But let me introduce you to some of the people in the Kiev church that we got to know. First is Kolya, or we also call him Nick. So he's the, he's the guy in each one of these pictures. He's uh, kind of like the guy who was overseeing the outreaches. He's part of the staff of the church at Kiev Bible Church, or Grace Bible Church. He is not a pastor, but he's a preacher there. He helps with a number of things. He also is trained as a professional translator. In fact, if I remember correctly, Emma, at the Shepherds Conference, he's the one translating MacArthur into Russian. Very, very skilled in language. Totally fluent in English. Totally fluent in Russian and Ukrainian. And really a um, great guy. True heart for the Lord. True zeal for um, the gospel. And really funny. He has a very, very witty sense of humor. He actually was saved, and you may have heard us tell, tell you this before. He was saved through an STM trip, through a softball camp. I can't remember how, how many years ago it was, but Americans came to Grace Bible Church. He was just somebody who lived in the community. Some Americans got to know him, and one particular, talking with him, and eventually told him, hey, you need to repent. And the Lord moved his heart so that he would. And now he's been raised up as someone to... Uh, bring others in. So he has a, a true heart for this outreach. Some others to introduce you to, Slava and Oksana. So Slava is the one on the left in that left picture. And that, that's Mark Smith next to him. He's our team leader. And then you can see his wife, Oksana, in this, uh, this, other, picture, um, this other picture and his daughter, Lida. But Slava is one of the pastors at the church at Grace Bible, Grace Bible Church. He's the, the Russian pastor, or I guess the Ukrainian pastor. And he's uh, another person who's just totally solid, knows the word, uh, zealous for the Lord, explaining the gospel um, continually. And he also has an interesting testimony. He was actually saved. He's one of those people who tried to disprove the Bible, but in doing so actually became to believe the Bible. 
And uh, I heard part of his testimony. He, he ended up being saved at a pastor's conference. He wasn't a pastor, but somehow he had gotten invited. And like, people didn't understand why he was there. <laughs> but the Lord was actually using that to draw him. And so at one point in the conference, where they're like, do any of you pastors need to like, repent before the Lord and rededicate yourself to him? He went forward. And, and he, wasn't actually, he wasn't a pastor, but that was when he actually was moved to repentance. Oh, by the way, I think you may have heard this before. When people say they got saved in Ukraine and in Russia, they don't say, oh, this is when I got saved. They say, this is when I repented, which I think is kind of cool. Anyways, that's Slava and his wife, Oksana, wonderful Christians. But probably the two who are most dear to us are these two, Misha and Yulia. Uh, those are two of our team members next to them, uh, Nathan and Psalm. But Misha, the man there in the white shirt, and Yulia, the, uh, the woman all the way on the right of that picture, they were our hosts. Each, each of the people, each of our team members were distributed into different houses and apartments when we arrived in Kiev. And Emma and I were placed with this couple, and we're so glad to the Lord for that. They are, I think, um, probably in their 40s now, and uh, they, they live in a, a one-bedroom apartment, and uh, no children, but so full of the Lord's love. Within two weeks, we just felt like we became family with them. Every day, just showing great hospitality to us, wonderful breakfast that Misha would make, and we would just talk about the Lord. We'd talk about Ukraine, or talk about America, or talk about English and Russian. They actually gave me a, a number of lessons in Russian, I was trying to learn more and more, and sometimes it was comical, the outcome of my trying to learn, but I did learn some things. But Misha is the worship leader, the music leader at the church. His wife is also uh, musically skilled. And you can see Misha actually in one of, our, one of our times leading us in song and in music. He, in terms of a job, he's an Uber driver and an interior decorator who works with plaster. But he is, beyond those things, he's most concerned about the Lord's kingdom. And he has a heart for the church and just a really sweet man. And his wife, Yula or Yulia, just a wonderful person also. She would be so encouraging to me whenever I learned some new Russian word or Russian phrase. She'd be like, oh, wow, you know, super wow, you did that. Good job. <clears throat> they didn't know, um, they don't speak full English. They know some English. And I was learning a little bit of Russian, but thankfully Emma was able to, because she knows much more Russian, she was able to help us uh, work through any particular terms that one side or the other didn't understand. And uh, that was a great blessing. But um, our, we felt our souls knit to these two. And uh, Lord willing, we will be able to see them again sometime soon because we miss them very much. Yulia, by the way, she works as a house cleaner. So those are two other people. We met some others from the church. I'll just briefly mention this man all the way in the top left. That's Bogdan. He's another person who was saved uh, through softball outreach. Um, this uh, fellow in the middle, um, not the one who's uh, resting on his uh, shoulder, that's uh, t- one of our team members, Gabriel, but the, the, the fellow in the same picture, that is Vitali. Uh, he's another person saved through softball ministry. Uh, this is Anton next to him, another, another member of the church, someone who hosted our people. In fact, I think almost all of these people were hosts to our team. The, uh, the two ladies in this top right picture, one of them on her left, that's Linda, our team member, but the lady to her right is uh, Nadezhda. She didn't speak any English, but she was willing to host two of our team members and was a very gracious host to them. Uh, these other three, Bogdan, Vitali, and Anton, they all, they all spoke a good amount of English, particularly Bogdan and Vitali. They could speak pretty fluently. This family in the bottom left, um, two of our team members are, are the ones in the black shirts. That's um, Sarah and uh, Psalm. But the other three, that's another family from the church, the, the man and the woman next to him, that's Edik and uh, Yulia. Edik is an elder at the church. He also does uh, help lead the music. And that is their niece, the, the young lady uh, in between our two main team members, that is Leah. And she came from Siberia, actually. And she was uh, with us there in Ukraine. They knew some English, but uh, not as much as some of the other people. But we still got to see their great heart for the Lord. And Edek, in particular, he was part of one of our, um, our outreach groups. I got to see how the Lord has really taught him and how he knows the word so well and is passionate about sharing it with other people. Uh, this young lady in the bottom center, that's uh, Sveta. 
And she is also saved through softball outreach. And she's a, a zealous gospel proclaimer. And then this fellow in the bottom right, that is Joseph. And he's actually the son of Greg and Fushan. And he was there with us. He's also, I don't know if you can tell from the picture, but he's a bit of a jokester. <laughs> he was always, always making things qu- uh, quite humorous there. But uh, someone who can speak English and Russian and who was, uh, we, we were working together with each of these people as part of reaching out to the people of Ukraine. So that's all the background. Now let's actually talk about what we did, what happened. Well, first we arrived in Kiev. And Kiev is one of the bigger and more modern cities in Ukraine. And in some ways it's not that different from some of the cities that we have here, though there's an obvious Soviet influence. You can see a number of apartment buildings in this this picture here on the left, those are those Soviet-style apartments basically made out of concrete, <laughs> concrete little sections that are stacked on top of each other, and they're, they're a holdover from that previous era. But where we were, there's tons of those little apartment buildings and the roads and cars, all that kind of thing. We arrived in Kiev on uh, Friday the 15th, feeling pretty jet-lagged. Thankfully, they didn't put us to work right away. They helped us adjust. Uh, after we arrived, we had dinner with them. They served us some delicious food. Almost all the food we had in Ukraine was delicious. Uh, I think pretty much all of it. Maybe there's one or two things I'm like, mm. But I resolved that whatever, the, whatever our host put before us, I was not going to complain about it. I was just going to eat it. And thankfully, the, uh, the, the Lord made it so that I could get through. Um, even some particularly hard for me to imagine eating dishes, but they actually were, were pretty good. So they served us food after we arrived, and then the next day, that Saturday the 16th, <clears throat> they took us out to one of the members of the church to her country cottage, what they call a dacha. It's very common for people in, in Ukraine and in Russia and that part of the world to have uh, a place in the city and then a country cottage. And the cottage doesn't have electricity or plumbing, but it's often where you would go for the weekend. And so they brought us out over there. We got to enjoy some good food, got to know the church the people of the church a little bit more, got to sing together, got to um, do some various outdoor games like volleyball, and it was a good time. But also, lots of mosquitoes. Oh man, we were getting bit up. So that was the first two days, arrival and adjustment, and then we had our first Sunday together. And wow, what a great, great time of fellowship, worship, and uh, hearing the word. We just... I think both Sundays, we just really didn't want the services to end because you just really felt the bond of Christ. And I think that's particularly true of small churches because everybody knows everybody or you're just with each other in kind of smaller spaces and you talk more and you really feel, yes, we are one in Christ. It doesn't matter if we're Ukrainian or American, it doesn't matter what language we speak, but we love the Lord and we love one another. I think we felt that in both of our services. But what did we do in particular in, in these services? We had some things that we wanted to do to encourage the, the church there. So we prepared some special music for them. We had prepared um, English hymn. You may know, All Glory Be to Christ. It's like the song that's set to Auld Lang Syne. Uh, it's all the same tune, but instead of just talking about how you know, life goes on, it's more about how, in the end, the only thing that matters is Jesus Christ. Everything else just fades away. So we sang that song for them in English, and they had a Russian translation. And uh, I also did a special piece of music for them. I sang Blessed Assurance in English. Uh, I did that as a solo and had um, our team member, Daniel, he's there with the guitar in uh, the left picture. He did the accompaniment. And again, that was, they had a, a slide translating that into Russian. Um, a lot of the English hymns that we sing, they also sing, but they sing it with Russian words, which are mostly the same. I believe the service was in Russian, even though we were in Ukraine. And that's because they want to be as inclusive as possible as to um, who might show up. If they speak only in Ukrainian and there happens to be someone who's passing through who doesn't know Ukrainian that well, then they're not going to be able to benefit as much. But pretty much everybody in that area speaks Russian. In, in terms of the languages in Ukraine, as you go further east, it's much more Russian. As you go further west, it's more Ukrainian. And we were in the middle, and it's kind of a mixture of both. But the services were in Russian, and so a lot of things would be translated into Russian. So we, we sang special music, and then we sang hymns together, and those would include some of the hymns that we would recognize and also some that were just particular Russian or Ukrainian hymns. And really enjoyed 
hearing and singing some of those. We did our best to sing it. Some of us can't read Cyrillic, or even if we can, we're like, eh, struggling to keep up with the rest. Uh, Cyrillic would be the, the alphabet that they used to write Russian. But the sound, oh, you, even if you don't know the words, you, you hear the, the way the music is written, and you feel your heart moved. If you've ever heard Russian music or that kind of music, Ukrainian music, it almost sounds a little bit melancholy. But it's not actually sad. As uh, some of the people were there saying, it's actually just from the heart. Very heartfelt and sincere music and really beautiful lyrics whenever we would actually get the translation or hear what, hear what it said. Uh, I found myself very moved by it. So we sang together. Daniel gave his testimony as part of this first service, one of our, one of our members how the Lord brought him to salvation, what brought him to repentance. And then Mark, not pictured, oh, actually on the next slide. Uh, Mark, there on the left, he preached. He did the first sermon, or he did the sermon that Sunday in Kolya. Standing there next to him was translating into Russian for the rest of the group. Oh, I should also say, they did special music for us too. They, um, they did a song, um, I think, in Russian. So we pre- or he preached, and we sang, and then to, we had lunch afterwards, more fellowship time. And then in the evening, we went out to the softball field. So the area where we ended up doing softball was kind of like a clearing, a field in between a number of apartment buildings. Not really designed for softball, but we made it work. It's just, you know, a square, square area. And though our outreach officially began the Monday, the church wants to, I don't know if they already did, I think they did, they have this habit of doing softball on Sunday evenings as a way to let the community know about them, to make, make friends with some of the kids in the community and tell them about the gospel. And so we went with them that first Sunday evening, we went out to the field, saw all the kids around and say, hey, do you want to play softball? <laughs> and a whole bunch of people just joined in. Now softball is kind of a novelty there, they're, they're not really, uh, they don't really know about baseball, softball, that's not their big sports, they're much more into soccer and basketball. But it's kind of cool to like, ooh, what's this, softball? Oh, you know, these Americans, baseball, what's all this about? And so they want to play, they want to learn, and tons of, uh, tons of young people joined us that first Sunday evening. And so we played with them, taught them a little bit how to play, and then we told them, hey, we're doing this all week. We're doing this all week and all next week, and you should come. And I think some of the people even we met that first day, they would indeed come back for the rest of our time. So let's talk about the softball outreach now. So every morning from about 10 to 12, we did this softball camp. And what, um, well, I'll say this first. Before we began, we had a little devotional time, about maybe 9.45 uh, to about 10. We would just encourage, uh, want to encourage our team with the word. So sometimes it was uh, Pastor Greg who led that. Sometimes I led that. Sometimes it was another one of our team members who led that. But then we'd, gathered together with the Ukrainian kids who came. And some of them were very young, probably like four or five. And some of them were a little bit older. I think we had somebody who was up to 17. But they came to play softball with us. So first we would warm up. And then we would uh, throw and catch for a little bit. We'd have to teach them how to catch, teach them how to throw. Because, like, they're not watching baseball on television. They say, oh, you know, just do what they do on TV. They've never seen that. Sometimes a little bit comical how they would line up with the bat or, you know, what what they try to do to catch. And like, no, 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 this is how you do it. (laughs) And so we'd we'd throw and catch for them a little bit. And then we'd actually start the game. And uh, the younger kids, because we actually ended up having a lot of kids who came, we split it up into two games. The younger kids played softball in one area of the field. And then the older kids played softball in another area of the field. Now, a lot of these kids did not speak English. So we, our goal was to make friends with these kids and tell them about the gospel, but we, we, we had to go about it in a certain way. Uh, if they didn't speak English, we would say to them certain things in Russian that we had learned or that we could. We would do um, some pretty easy uh, language-neutral affirmations, like, you know, when somebody does a good play, you know, yes. You know, good job, or say, молодец, you know, that's the Russian for good job. Or очень хорошо, very good. Do lots of, you know, high fives and all that kind of thing to affirm that, hey, we're your friends, and we, we appreciate you, and we like, we like doing this with you. But some kids did know a little bit more English, and for those, we could, we could get to talk to even more. I'll say more about um, one of those kids that I got to talk to because he knew a lot of English a little bit later on. But also, we used the translators that we had available. Many people from the church, as I mentioned, they speak both English and Russian. And so we would have, we would maybe stand with one of those people and a kid or two and just talk to the kid through the translator. It's a little bit awkward, but it does work. 
and we were able to get to know them a little bit, ask them some questions about them, ask some questions about their lives, and even talk to them about the gospel. So we would play softball for about an hour and 45 minutes. If you'd finish at 11.45, we'd come back. So you see the two pictures there. I was playing softball at the top. And then we'd come back and have a time of testimony. One of the Americans would share how the Lord saved him and give a gospel appeal. And I was really encouraged and um, amazed at how attentive the kids were to these, these gospel testimonies. And we did that each day. And after the testimony was finished, we would then just talk to the kids afterwards while we all enjoyed some ice cream. That was pretty much the, the softball camp. And the uh, next slide, show you the, the groups. This is the last day we took a group shot of each softball group. The older kids on the top left with our team and with the Ukrainian, um, Ukrainian church members, and then the younger kids in the bottom right. So we had a bunch of people. I think it was maybe like maybe 40 overall, about 40 kids who came out to softball with us. I'll talk a little bit more about the results and some of the kids that we met specifically uh, in, a, in a moment. So that was the one of the things. That was one of our main outreaches. Another one was the kids' home visits. Now, I don't have many pictures of this because we actually weren't allowed to take pictures inside the kids' home. The idea of the kids' home is it's kind of like a mixture between an orphanage and a halfway house and an asylum because uh, there are a lot of troubled kids and orphans and just troubled family situations in Ukraine. You know, there's the, the stereotype with Russians and, and people from Eastern Europe is that they're just all drunks. Well, that's true in a lot of cases. Drinking is a huge problem in that part of the world. And alcoholics or others who, are, who, who make the family situation very difficult, the kids, will, the kids will run away or the kids will be taken out from that family and they'll end up here, end up in one of the kids' homes. Kids might remain in this home for a couple weeks, a couple months, or even longer. But a lot of them are just really not in a good place. But the church and our team along with the church, we wanted to reach out to these kids and become their friends and tell them about the gospel. So I actually wasn't part of the kids' home team because it took place at the same time as softball, but Emma was, and so she went with them. And kind of like with softball, we split into an older group, I think older and younger kids, and also we split between guys and girls. And at the kids' home, we tried to do a couple different things. we do, like, some activities and crafts and games. So we would do a presentation about life in America, kind of like a PowerPoint presentation, but it was really an opportunity for us to share our testimonies and then just talk with the kids. And so um, we did that. The goal was to do that every Tuesday and Thursday. So we did that the Tuesday. We did that the Thursday. The... The boys group, the older boys group, was not enthused <laughs> with us. <laughs> and like, I think we had seven at the beginning and like five left immediately. But we did get to speak to two of these other boys, and they showed some interest. And Slava, who was with our group, he basically got to share the whole gospel with them. You know, talk about what the Bible says from the beginning to the end. And they were attentive to hear. The older girls group was a little bit more willing to engage. And so um, Emma and the other girls got to got to spend more time with them. So we were only going to be there Tuesday and Thursday each week, but actually after the first week, we couldn't go back because it had been placed under quarantine. <laughs> we didn't realize this, but when we went back the Thursday, we actually weren't supposed to be there. Nobody told us that the kids' home had been placed under quarantine for chickenpox and staph infection. Nobody told us, <laughs> so I was kind of like, oh, what were we exposed to? But in a way, we thank the Lord for that because that gave us more time to follow up with what we said about the gospel that first day and to spend more time with the kids the second day. And then I think Emma told me that some of the girls were pretty, pretty hard to talk to and kind of hostile the first day, but they were much more amiable the second day. So even though our health was put at risk, <laughs> the Lord used it for good. And though we couldn't go back the second week, we, we made sure that we could make some care packages for the people at the kids' home and include explanations of the gospel so that whenever the, the home was opened up again, we could, we could send that. And so that's one of the things the church will do if they haven't already done um, since we left. So that was the second outreach, the kids' home. And then the third was the English cafe. So softball is like from 10 to 12. Um, a kids' home would be around the same time. We'd come back for lunch. There'd be a little break in the part of the day. And then... 
in the afternoon from about three to five, we had the English cafe for young people, for, for younger kids. And the idea of the English cafe is kind of similar to what we were thinking for the kids' home, where we would have a time of um, English lesson slash activity or craft or game. Then there'd be a presentation about life in America slash the gospel and your testimony. And then for the older group, which I'll tell you about more in just a second, we then ha- broke up into different conversation groups where we just talk, talk about the presentation, talk about uh, topics related to the presentation, and talk about the gospel. That's the whole point. We wanted to get the conversation back towards the gospel. But we had so many people the first day, the Monday, it was like, I don't know, it was like 40 people or something like that. We realized we couldn't have everybody at the same time. So we actually split up the times between the afternoon where the younger kids would come and then the evening where the older kids and adults would come. This is something where adults could be part of it too. So the younger uh, English cafe, English camp, ESL lessons, that was from three to five. And it basically turned into a VBS and the kids loved it. We had more and more Ukrainian kids coming each day and the most was actually at the end. So we had some great team members who were, you know, would do the songs and, and the games, the activities, teach a little bit of English and talk about the word. Uh, Gabriel there with Bogdan, he would use the Bible and the wordless book as a way to explain the gospel to the children, highlighting an aspect of the wordless book each day. And uh, you can see in the bottom left someone doing his Life in America presentation. That's Nathan there. And like I said, the, the Lord caused that to uh, really be successful. The, the kids really enjoyed it. Some of the parents who came or had kids who came, um, they expressed their appreciation of just the of what we were doing in that. So I praise the Lord for that. Uh, again, I wasn't, or I, I should say, I wasn't part of that group. I was part of the Adults English Cafe. This is the one I know a little bit more about, but I know that they were doing good work in the other one. And the Adults group were pretty much doing the same thing, except it was more English lesson in the beginning, then a Life in America presentation, and then conversation groups. Lessa, uh, songs and games. Didn't quite do that. Tyler was our English professor. Uh, Tyler's there in the, in the left slide. And, and then here are some pictures of Emma and I doing our Life in America presentations. They seem to find that interesting. Um, each, I should have said this also, for the kids and for the adults, Though we were trying to help them learn English, we also had a translator with us. Kolya usually was the one who was translating into Russian while we were talking about each one of these things. So we tell them about life in America, tell them about the gospel and why we have come to give our lives to God and why it's important for them to do so. But I feel like the really, um, the most important time of all of this was the conversation groups afterwards. I have a picture there of some, uh, some treats we did put the cafe in cafe. We, um, we had some team members and, and along with some Ukrainians who prepared some desserts as part of the discussion time along with some tea. And so that was a blessing, I think, to all. But I say the conversation time was really important because <clears throat> you may have come to realize that when you give a message in a large group, even a sermon or a testimony, people can hear it. And they can understand it to a certain extent, but they just don't apply it to themselves. They're like, oh, that's good for other people. But it's when you have those one-on-one conversations afterwards or those small group conversations afterwards where people actually realize, oh, wait, this applies to me. And that's what we tried to do in these conversation groups. <clears throat> we had, like I said, we had a bunch of people, so I think we had like four or five groups. And uh, the exact people in each group fluctuated a little bit, but uh, we... Over time, we got to know the different people in our groups. And for our group, Emma and my group, we had a lot of people who professed to be believers, but we wanted to make sure that they really understood the gospel. So we had everyone share their testimonies, and we talked about various topics related to the Bible. And um, we also talked about what is the true gospel? What is the, the essence of the gospel? How do good works play a role? Is it possible to have one of the presentations, someone talked about fruit, one of the American presentations, talked about the fruit of salvation and good fruit versus bad fruit. So one of the things we talked about is, is it possible to have good and bad fruit at the same time? How is that possible? What, what has God called us to? And we talked about what is baptism, because baptism is a big, big deal to people coming from that orthodox background. What is the true role of baptism? Does it have, uh, is it important for salvation? <clears throat> if it's not, what is its purpose? 
How do good works play a role? So we've talked about each one of those things. Now, again, I'll say a little bit more about some of the specific conversations we have with some people in just a moment. So that was, that's basically our schedule. So morning, softball, 10 to 12. Afternoon, kids, uh, English cafe, 3 to 5. And then in the evening from 7 to 9, we did the adults English cafe. And many people who we met in softball, we would invite to the English cafe. And so it was cool. We would start a conversation or a friendship in softball and continue it in the cafe. And a lot of times, that's where we really got to share openly about the gospel. <clears throat> Before I tell you a little bit more about some of the Ukrainians you met, I should mention the second Sunday. Second Sunday, like the first, we had a time of singing, time of special music. Actually got to sing a, um, sing a song with Misha, our host, uh, the one who's in charge of music at the church. We did It Is Well With My Soul, but we kind of did like a mixture of English and Russian. I sang the verse, first verse in English, and he joined me in the chorus in English. And then he sang the second verse in Russian, and I joined him in Russian in the chorus. And then we both sang the last verse in chorus together in Russian. It was really, really cool. But the second Sunday was also the time where I got to preach. And so I preached from uh, Matthew 6, kind of improved and condensed uh, the sermon that I did previously on worry from Matthew 6, because I thought that would be edifying to the church. And so I shared it, and Kolya again was translating. So again, it was a really wonderful time, and we had a fellowship afterwards, and um, that got lots of good feedback from the church about the sermon. They said that they had really encouraged, that they had, they had not heard that kind of exposition on that passage before, so that was encouraging to me. Now, I've given you a lot of generalities, but now I want to tell you about some of the people that we met and how even the Lord used me and Emma to talk to some of them. So some of the people that I met at softball, and I know that we're kind of running short on time, so I'll try and be succinct. Some of the people I met at softball, another Bogdan. <clears throat> we saw certain names getting repeated among the people that we met. But this is another Bogdan. He spoke a good amount of English, and he had a friend who spoke very good English, and so we talked together. And so I asked him about the gospel. I gave him that classic question, if you were to die and appear before the Lord, and he asked you, why should I let you into heaven and not send you to hell? What would you say? And he said, I don't know. (laughs) I'm like, hmm, that's an important question. And so I explained to him the gospel. Now, I was encouraged that when I explained the gospel, he affirmed everything that I was saying that it is by faith and not by works, and that Jesus has to be the one who makes you acceptable to God and not you yourself. And he affirmed all that, but he seemed hesitant to say that he was going to heaven because, as he explained to me, he felt like his life was not following the Lord like it should be. And I also found out from him that he probably goes to an Orthodox church because he mentions that there are icons at the church. So I said, you need to get into a church where you can hear the word, where you can grow, where you can understand what the Bible says. Also, in a separate conversation, we talked about why is it so important to read the Bible. And so um, he was very attentive, and it was, it was good to have that conversation with him. And Lord willing, because every time we, we talked with somebody in the day, at the end of the day, our whole group, along with the Ukrainian church, we would talk about what were the conversations we had. So Lord willing, the Lord continued to work in Bogdan's heart, and the church can follow up with him. Another guy I met, Demian, on the top right, he... Um, he came to softball, also came to the English cafe. Uh, I asked him uh, via translator, because he didn't speak all that well in English. I said, do you understand these testimonies that we've been sharing? And I realized he did not quite understand, because he's like, yeah, you all had something bad happen in your life, and then God made everything better. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's not really it. <laughs> um, but um, at that moment, he didn't seem interested in talking further. But he did come back to the English cafe, and though he wasn't in our group, I know that the others were talking about the gospel, so Lord willing... Um, the Lord continued to work a seed in him. Another guy I got to talk to was Maxim. And he didn't speak English, but again, via translator, I, I wanted to approach him about the gospel. And I, I had just given my testimony on a particular day, and I went up to Maxim afterwards and I said, what about you? I was number one in my life, and it wasn't really God even though I said it, even though I said it was. What about you? Is God number one in your life or is it you? And at first he said family was number one in his life. And I was like, wait, but don't you know what the Bible says? That what Jesus says? You can't love father, mother, brother, sister, son, or daughter more than him? Not even your own life. But he shared a little bit about his family. And he's definitely one of those kids who comes from a kind of broken home. His father got addicted to gambling and basically had to be kicked out of the house because he was stealing and doing other things to enable his addiction. But then I, I went back to that other question, why would God let you into heaven? What would you tell him? And he said... 
something along the lines of good works, but it's kind of interesting. He says, whatever the standard is for getting into heaven, like 80% good works, I think I would be right below that, like 79%. Which I feel like is funny because it's kind of like a humble answer and a prideful answer at the same time. But anyways, it was a great opportunity for me and for the, the Ukrainian translator with me because I said, oh, but do you know what God's standard is? He tells us in the Bible. And I brought him to Jesus' word in Matthew 5. You are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. The only way you can get into heaven is if you're perfect. And then he said, well, then you're telling me that nobody gets into heaven? I'm like, you're thinking the right way because that's what Paul says, Romans 3.23. And then we brought him to Romans. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I said, if that were the end of the story, that'd be terrible. But God has made a way. And we talked about the verses around Romans 3.23, that we are justified by faith apart from works. And that is why we are saved. And uh, then he asked a little bit later, but there are plenty of people who say they believe and then they don't live in a very good way. And at that point, it was um, Bogdan from the the church who was helping me translate. He kind of took over the conversation, which is good because he was able to speak much more quickly than I was. And even though I couldn't understand everything he was saying, I could tell that he was clarifying for him what is true belief. And And I caught from the little Russian I couldn't understand, that he went to that passage from Jesus where he, uh, Jesus says, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, and I will tell them I never knew you. And he also used that, that wheelbarrow analogy. You may have heard the wheelbarrow and the tightrope thing where uh, there are people watching this man walk across the tightrope, um, and he, he says, do you think I can do this? And they're like, I'm not really sure. And then he does it, and they're like, wow, that's amazing, you're amazing. He's like, you think I can do it with a wheelbarrow? And they're like, oh, yeah, probably. He does it with a wheelbarrow, and they're like, wow, that's great, you're amazing. He's like, do you think I could do it with a person in the wheelbarrow, go across this tightrope over this great chasm? You think I could go across and come back? And they're like, yeah, we think you can. He's like, all right, then get in the wheelbarrow. And when Maxime heard that, I could see his face light up because he understood. Now, ah, there is a difference between true and false belief. We must have spoken with Maxime for more than an hour. And though he didn't fall on his knees and repent afterwards, I could tell that he was really taking to heart what we were talking about. And he, this was one of the last days of softball, and we definitely wanted to keep, keep up this relationship. And so we told him that the church would continue to do the softball outreach even into um, every Sunday evening, even after the Americans left. And he showed interest in, in coming. He also became my friend on Facebook, so... That's kind of cool. Though our conversations are somewhat stilted because he doesn't really speak English. <laughs> I don't really speak Russian, so it's kind of like, that's a little funny. Uh, I'll briefly mention a few other people we met. Um, Oleg in the top right, he actually is a, just an awesome example of how the Lord uses different people in the church all to bring about the same, um, same gospel work. Because Gabriel, one of our team members, just happened to talk with him when he and his daughter were walking by the softball field, and Gabriel's like, hey. <laughs> I don't even know what he said to him because he was off in the distance, but he basically struck up a conversation with this guy. Oleg spoke some English, and he told him about the gospel. And then he invited him to English camp. And when Oleg came, and he was in a different conversation group, but they talked about the gospel there. And then he came to church the following Sunday when uh, I did my sermon on worry. And after the sermon, he, felt he, he said he was convicted, and he said, what you talked about in the sermon is exactly who I am. I'm just a person who lives for the things of this world. All I do is work. I'm consumed by worry. I don't follow God. And he repented. He expressed repentance. And I praise the Lord because every, like, it's just as he says, one person planted the seed, another person watered, and another person put in the sickle to harvest. And we pray that Oleg will persevere in the faith. And this won't simply be, oh, the Americans are exciting. Oh, that's kind of new. Pray that he would persevere, but... Slava and the others, they continued to talk with him about the gospel. <clears throat> so it seems like he really understood. <clears throat> and they were willing to affirm his repentance. Karina was another girl who was part of our conversation group. Seems to be a believer, but doesn't come from a very good church. So it was really important that we talked through some of the gospel topics and um, Bible topics that we did. But she seemed to really enjoy uh, being with us and talking about the word. And um, Lord willing, she will even become part of Grace Bible Church in Kiev. Natalie, Mary, and Yegor are all related. Mary and Yegor are her children. Mary and Yegor came to the softball camp and to the English cafe, and they're not believers. I don't even think they're orthodox, but they were willing to talk about the gospel. Mary showed great interest. Yegor showed interest too, but he had a lot of objections, especially related to evolution. 
But our group continued to talk with him, talk with him, talk with him. And he kept coming back. Which, praise the Lord, that seems to be suggesting something. But also his mom came. And his mom came one time into our conversation group. And that was when we were sharing testimonies. And she seemed particularly moved by um, when um, one of the persons, actually multiple people sharing their testimonies. And when I talked with her afterwards, she said, this is all so interesting to me. And I said, why? Because I'm like, is it just because we're talking in English? And she spoke a fair amount of English. And she said, no, because, or she said, I see that other people who have gone really down in their lives, I see that I'm not the only one. So I see that she must have really been struggling with something. Feelings of emptiness or just uh, not having any hope. And then she's hearing these testimonies of people who have, have come to faith in God. And she says, I realize that I need, I need to find my way to God. I was like, that's, that's good. And you know, the Bible tells us how we do that. And she's like, yeah, that's why I want to study the Bible. I'm like, that's great. <laughs> I'm like, do you have a Bible? She says, I do. I said, do you read it? And she said, uh, I want to read it as part of a Bible study. I said, that's good. But you can read it on your own too. In fact, I recommend that if you're going to start anywhere in the Bible, start in the New Testament Gospels. And I recommend to her specifically the Gospel of Mark. And she seemed really earnest and excited about that. And I was looking forward to having her back in our conversation group so that we could pursue that more. But she didn't come back. I'm not really sure why. She did say, or her kids, her kids came back, and they said that she'd been struggling with headaches and just wasn't able to come. Maybe so. But she did hear those testimonies, and she did hear our, and we did have that conversation. And so I pray that the Lord would continue to work in her heart. She did seem to show a real earnestness to know the Bible. And of course, now she knows about the church. So, Lord willing, she will come back. And, uh, Lord willing, the Lord will continue to work on Mary and Yegor. They know about the church. The church is going to continue to do softball. The church is going to continue to do English cafe type thing on Friday evenings. And so, we can, the Lord can continue these things. Okay, we pretty much have only a minute left. We did have a little bit of time for excursions in Kiev. So, we did like a little boat ride. We, we walked around the city, went to this amazing chocolate place, this chocolatier place. Uh, we saw some of the um, some of the older buildings, the, the big cathedrals and monasteries. We didn't go inside, but we looked around the outside. Did a little bit of souvenir shopping. Some guys went to the uh, Ukrainian sauna. Emma and I decided we did not want to do that because we were so exhausted. <laughs> but they had a good time with that. Went to a few of their museums, the World War II Museum in Kiev. that has a big statue. It's kind of like their version of the Statue of Liberty, but much more menacing. <laughs> Built in Soviet times, so you can understand. Um, we went to their uh, military museum, the Chernobyl Museum. Ukraine has suffered a lot. Um, and we also went into the main square where the protests were, those violent, or the protests that were violently cracked down. We walked along that strip, which is kind of like a still pretty happening place in the city. And you can see that that, um, that tall pillar is part of that same square. But eventually we had to say goodbye um, to the kids and to the people of the church we met. So with the kids, there were some, some certificates given out and lots of pictures being taken together, lots of hugs, lots of expressions of friendship. But it was even more um, emotional with the church. And you can see um, some of our members just saying goodbye, even trying to take a picture and having a hard time doing that. Uh, we, we met one last time to just talk about what the Lord had done, and we met to sing together a little bit. And I really liked the song that we sang kind of to end our time. Uh, I'm not going to play it for you because we don't really have time now. But the song says in the chorus, and this is a Russian song. Um, he, talking about God, he has made us family. Or he has made us relatives. He has made us friends. Um, he has given us a new name. We are called Christians. I felt the words of that song were just so, so true about Ukrainians and American believers just coming together, living together and serving together, even for these two weeks. But we had to say our goodbyes, and then we had to go. So, in summary, what was accomplished? What was accomplished by the Lord, by our team, by your prayers and your support? Well, we believe the church was encouraged. The Kiev church was encouraged, instructed via the sermons, our, our fellowship with them, the songs, our testimonies. We have new bonds of fellowship, not only between the members of the church, but also between the Ukrainians that we met, 
new friendships there. We got to share the gospel. We got to give the gospel to at least 60 kids and adults. And for many of them, we had a personal follow-up. But we got to say, what about you? Maybe 10 to 20 Ukrainian children and adults got a personal gospel follow-up and many, many conversations about Jesus Christ. We got to see Oleg's profession of repentance, and we know that many of their gospel seeds were planted and watered. And clearly, Grace Bible Church's presence via these outreaches and via the visit of the Americans was made known in the community. So we trust that the Lord will continue to work in that. But this is something that is not simply what we did, but it's what you did. Those of you who have prayed for us and supported us, 2 Corinthians 4.15 talks about how those who partner in the gospel, they, they produce thanksgiving in a multiplied way around the world. And that's what you did. By partnering with us and partnering with our team, you caused thanksgiving to be multiplied in Ukraine. And you know that verse I kept quoting in some of my letters, or some of our letters from first, um, Third John, talks about when you support the work of the gospel, you are yourself a worker in the gospel. You are a partner in the work and alongside the Spirit. Okay, that's all we have time for. I have a, some like observations, that things that stuck out to me about being in Ukraine, but we can talk about that afterwards as we have our own fellowship, have our own conversation. Of course, there's much more we could say about Ukraine and Kiev and the believers there, but I have to do that in conversation. Let me get close in prayer. Lord God, I thank you so much for this church and for the church in Kiev. Lord, we pray that you would continue to bless and use those believers there and grow the church. And Lord, I also pray that for many of those Ukrainians that we met, that the kids and the adults, Lord, that you would continue to work in their hearts and bring them to salvation. God, we know that you are the one with the ultimate power. You use us as means, but you're the one who must save. So for your own name's sake, because you are a great and merciful God, please save these people in Ukraine. And for Oleg and for the others who have professed repentance, we pray, God, that they would continue in that and they would not fall away. In Jesus' name.